Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back, people of the internet, to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And in today's episode, I, I would say this is one of our more chaotic, random For sure. episodes. Yes. Off the wall, bunch of topics. But we're going to talk about Samsung's new studio display competitor type thing. We're going to talk about Spotify and how maybe there's a little bit of gaming the system happening. Yeah. And also, uh, maybe a really weird, futuristic Dyson gadget that shouldn't actually exist. For sure. All in the same conversation we got a bunch to talk about but first some content yeah content yeah. everyone loves content we made some content this week we made some content I, i'm really happy with them um the what do you which one should we start with the uh the ev video yeah we might as well i mean because a lot of it some of it stems from conversations we've had on the podcast like we had that atlas right. rant before we talk about evs all the time here and like almost every time we talk about evs there's some sort of question of like when will this come out Will yeah. this be able to do this thing it promises? And yeah, yeah, we yeah. kind of had that conversation. It probably was like two weeks ago or something like that. But really, we've reworked the the video so many times. I was trying to figure out the the what the real problem is. Like, yeah. is the problem that they're too expensive? Is is the problem that they're unreliable? What is the problem with these pre-orders? Are they real? Are they real? That's one problem. That's usually. one problem. Yeah. But basically, for me, it came down to the gap between when you put your money down and commit. Mm-hmm. And when you're actually going to get the thing is so massive that the commitment doesn't mean anything anymore. So you can put down, you know, a hundred, a thousand dollars or whatever for an EV and they'll say it's coming out in a year and that product you're going to get is probably not coming out in a year, probably not coming out at the same price you reserved it for, and probably not going to be the same product that you actually reserved. It's a, it's a very loose it's like reservation. Crypto. And I mentioned in the video, Sony has been getting better at unveiling phones and then shipping them quickly. Their latest one was, I think, in less than six months. I think it was like four months. But that was that was such a big problem for them because, yeah. you know, Apple, think about it. Apple does the iPhone event. It's like clockwork every year. Mm-hmm. It's on stage. They go, pre-orders will begin this day on Friday, and they'll start shipping the next day. And within like nine days, everyone's getting their boxes from UPS. The, the hype doesn't have time to die. Yeah. They just ride that wave. Same thing with all the other big ones. And if there's enough time in between when you put your money down and when it comes out for other options to pop up and for other things to change, then it almost feels like the point is lost. Mm-hmm. So that that gap, and you know, there are people who are willing to wait, especially in the high-end car business. People will sometimes see an announcement car and go, yeah, I want that. And they'll order it and they'll know they won't get it for a year or two. So that's real sometimes in cars, but it's getting kind of crazy for every electric car from everyone to have such a massive gap. So that's that's what the video came down to. Yeah, and it's really good. And you and David have spent weeks just going back and forth. You said you restructured this a bunch. David's done a ton of research on different things, and it, it felt like a video from the side of hearing you guys write it. It was just kind of like, oh, this, this video is working along. Oh, did you see this company? Did you see it's like they have the same guy from this company before and that they're promising this and that? And it just like, it felt like every day you guys were finding something new that was just 
really strange and I mean, sketchy seems to be one way a lot of these companies work. Yeah. Sketchy to the consumer, I guess. As as a consumer who doesn't understand the f- how to build a full business, which is most of us listening, there's a lot of weird things going on. And I think you guys did a really good job at yeah. bringing that all into one video and and getting a quick overview of a lot of different companies. Yeah. And it's also funny because there's so many things that we see now in the world of like investing where yeah. I, when I was in school, we didn't learn about investing. Like we, it just wasn't a subject taught in school. I went through all of school, never being formally cool. instructed on what that meant. And investing, what, five years ago would have been way different than in investing right, right now because investing is a lot different. Right. It's everywhere now. There's like Everyone knows what crypto is already. Everyone views mm-hmm. all of these new coins and things as investments. Like nothing is this company that's founded on your ability to like crowdsource and invest in their future. Yeah. And so investing is like actually mainstream at this point. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it feels kind of funny that the the EV companies are all doing this startup thing where some of them want your money so they can give you a car but some of them seem like they're just trying to be a good investment. And yeah. a lot of people just look at it as an investment. They, For the amount of research I did on Lordstown Motors, it is unbelievable to me that people still think that it's a good investment. The company doesn't do anything. They don't ship anything. They, they'll parade things around like they're going to, but they don't. And people still think it's a good investment. They think, oh, yeah, this company's going to 10x in a year. There's no no doubt I should put my money here. That that was the the wildest part to me was how many weird investment angles you could find about these new electric car startup companies. Yeah, I'm gonna assume all the hate comments on a YouTube video are directed at you because you're yeah. the one saying it's worth. Yeah, it. I mean, do you think Lordstown is worth? I, it? No comment. <laughs> not it's just not. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's I think that video is worth watching. To definitely for sure, for check sure. it out. Um, and we did another one on the Studio Channel. Yes. Our second, third channel, whatever you want to call it, if you're including the Waveform podcast. Um, we've been toying around with this idea, and it kind of started with David David's Leica video. We're calling it Bitrate. It's kind of a review, shorter review-based. It's genius. Yeah, because genius. It, I think it's, it's a very good name. It is based on the people around the studio can pick an item that they're passionate about and one that won't get reviewed on the main channel and do a little review. Since it's called Bitrate, it's a score 8 out of 8. Out of 8. It's perfect. This new one is about the analog pocket, I believe it's called, mm-hmm. right? Um, everyone's favorite, Adam Molina, did it. Came out really, really good. Really interested. Nostalgic, for sure. Hold I on. I've been so. seeing you guys have like way too much fun with this thing for the last couple of weeks to the point where like I never wanted to use it and I, like, I didn't have that retro. You know how there's like a little... Part of your brain that just sees the nostalgic bit and just oh, wants yeah. to use it. I never used the Game Boy, so it never connected for me. Yeah. But it looked like so much fun that I just I had to check it out. It, so the video did a good job of showing all the things the pocket can do. It also makes it look like Adam comes in every day and lays on the couch and plays Pokemon. And just chills, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> um, there is one minor correction I saw in the video towards it, it, which was we mentioned the saving process. That was actually because the game cartridge was old and the battery was dead inside the cartridge. So it would have been able to save just normally because you're just playing the game. Adam just found a different way to save it through the console itself. Seems like most cartridges will be old. I think so. But I'm sure there's a a whole world. I know there's a world out there that's still using these old school like gaming systems and I'm sure um, there are plenty that are still out there or how to fix them. Um, But definitely suggest that Studio channel, analog, bitrate, Adam Molina, all the buzzwords you've ever wanted to hear. Bitrate is such a good name. It's so good. It's so good. Like we pride ourselves on our names. Like, let's be real. Autofocus is an incredible name for a series. And I think bitrate is right up there. And then I have one other piece of content that dives into a story that uh, just buckle up. We're, We're about to talk about a lot of random things here for a couple minutes. Okay. Kick it off. Cool with you. Yeah. Um, piece of content that is not ours that I consumed recently that I really liked. Um, Reply All, we've talked about it a million times on this podcast. I think both of our favorite podcasts. Um, They've been kind of on a hiatus for a little bit, but they came back. They had two really good super tech support episodes, which is generally the hosts of the show trying to figure out weird little tech mishaps that callers have. With like Um, weird hidden solutions. Very weird. It's a fun format. I like it. Um, 
But one of the newest ones, episode 183, we'll post in the show notes. Without spoiling it, essentially the host, Emmanuel, has a caller come in who Spotify wrapped as a, an artist that she's never heard of before. It's second on her list. And it's just this like totally underground, no one knows artist. And it's very strange why it's up there. But the reason I connected so much with it is because it talked a lot about how people game Spotify because Spotify is a way to make money. It is a way to get um, like acknowledgement as an artist or a producer or something like that. And through this episode, the the main culprit of the whole thing does a lot of different things to game Spotify. And it's really, really interesting. Game Spotify. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I always find social media kind of like gaming or hacking or whatever you want to call it really interesting. I think for the most part, it never works out how you really want it to. Mm-hmm. But I do find looking at different ways to manipulate like Instagram or Twitter or YouTube really interesting. And for some reason, Spotify's never like been a platform to me that I thought a lot of people would game because I'm not uh-huh. in the music world that much, but it totally is. And I've made this connection now to something that I've complained about on Twitter a bunch and then to also something that I've noticed recently and all of them kind of connected together. So I'm going to do a, a small story time here that's probably just going to make me look like the Charlie Day, Sunny in Philadelphia meme of like connecting all the okay. red dots and, or yeah. red strings. So at the office, you have a Spotify playlist, right? The MKBHD one. I do. And it is just basically all the songs that we put in videos. That exactly is what it is. I just, anytime there's a new song that we use in an intro or in a video and it is available on Spotify, I just drag that into the playlist. It's probably about 40 songs. And you and I, since I I handle the public email address, you handle your uh, email address, get a lot of emails begging to be put on that playlist, right? Yep. Yep. I get a lot of people emailing me specifically saying, hey, I am an artist. I've made these songs, here's the MP3s. They're not just saying, hey, feel free to use them if you want. They're saying, hey, please use this song yeah. mm-hmm. and give it credit and here's the link. Well, and also, can you put it on your playlist? And put also, it in the Spotify playlist. Which like to me always thought it was more along the lines of, I want these songs in your videos, like you said, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm thinking it's more they, they're gunning more for the playlist mm-hmm. and that's something that happened in this episode and something that I discovered a few months ago where I was climbing. I was trying to think of some music I wanted to listen to. I had an old playlist I had saved, which was just the Tony Hawk Pro Skater playlist, um, okay. which is like, that's a game. I'm sure there's a lot of people that know the game. It's yeah. known for having like a phenomenal soundtrack, like very early 2000s pop punk. Ooh, we should like rank rock video and roll. game soundtracks. There's some really good ones. We would get destroyed because we don't I mean, play I don't, some of the good I don't video play enough games. games, but I'm a huge fan of some of the Need for Speed and NBA 2K soundtracks. Okay. But okay, great. Fair, fair. So Tony Hawk, T- Tony Hawk is very well known as yeah. like indie grunge, metal, like all that kind of fun stuff. A lot of rap also. Um, and I was listening to it, and I've listened to it a bunch of times before, and it starts off with the very... You're not gonna know these songs, but um, if you play Tony Hawk, you'll understand. Superman number one, Superman, my Goldfinger is like the most popular song from Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Easy, um, Euro Barrage, like the very common ones. I think it got about five songs in. Then I noticed as I was listening to it, I didn't recognize a song. Whatever, get to the next one. Didn't recognize a song, so I started having this like weird. What's going on with this playlist? Were these just? There's like 20 Tony Hawk games. Maybe it was from later ones and I just didn't notice, but it was just song after song that I didn't know, that I didn't know, that I didn't know. Hmm. And eventually looking at the soundtrack, I realized it's not an official, or playlist, sorry. It's not an official playlist. It's a user-made playlist Uh that got really popular because of how popular the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack is. And it just had, I think I counted it. I went back and counted it today. between the songs that are actually on the playlist, because it goes in order from Tony Hawk 1, there are 50 songs that are not actually on on Tony Hawk Pro Skater. It goes one through five on the soundtrack to get you into it, and then it's 50 songs that are not on it, and then goes back into the actual soundtrack. Oh, really? Okay, So, so that's what you mean by gaming Spotify. So I think this was a super popular playlist that started getting contact and getting paid to put smaller level production companies or smaller level artists songs onto the soundtrack just to kind of like 
essentially trick people into listening to it. Yep. Um, I'm sure their reasoning for it was like, oh, well, it's just in there and maybe you'll listen to it, maybe you'll like it, and then people will start playing it. But I think it's just to artificially game the numbers and yeah. to look better. And I don't know how Spotify AdSense or whatever works or payments, but it clearly feels like that. And now these playlist owners are taking full advantage of it. Right. That is so interesting. Okay, so I know, I'm trying to think of how this would go on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Because YouTube's algorithms are so advanced that if you were to shove in a random video in a playlist from a show, yeah. and you got episode one, two, and three, and then a random video that got paid to that paid to be there, yeah. and then episode four, everyone would skip that video so fast. Mm -hmm. And they would all hate that it's there, and they would all like dislike the video. But you'd get the, well, dislikes and, don't matter now. Yeah, they don't matter now. But you you would get the clicks, and you would theoretically get a little, maybe a pre-roll ad revenue, something like that, if somebody left autoplay on and didn't realize what mm -hmm. was happening for 30 seconds. Um, but it wouldn't- You would get the view count, though. You, you th Yeah, theoretically. I don't know exactly how a view is counted. Nobody does. But you yeah. would probably get more views from being mm -hmm. in that popular playlist. But- that sort of reputation risk for the person who made the playlist is pretty solid. Where on Spotify, if I just want to find like a video game soundtrack, I'm sure I've done this before in like random albums or something where I'm searching on Spotify. I don't know exactly what it's called, but I search something, I find someone made a playlist and it's close enough, so I just click it. Mm -hmm. And it it has all the songs that I wanted. I get very happy about that. But then if it's if it's not what I wanted, I just ignore it and I never think about disliking it yeah. or leaving a comment about how it's the wrong song or something like that. So it's a little it's different from YouTube, but it is fascinating when people just do that. So I also wonder if potentially these are PR marketing agencies that are telling small production companies or artists like, hey, we can increase your view, your listen count. And then this is the kind of shady way that they're increasing that. And then all the the artist sees is artificial numbers that they don't know how that's happening. Yeah. So if I was there, if I was trying to do this smartly, I would at least try to get this random underground song mm -hmm. into a playlist of similar sounding Ex music. Yes. Right? I agree. So if you got the Tony Hawk Pro Skater music, I would want something in that same genre. For sure. So if somebody's listening and they realize they got to the end of the first game and there's a new song, it's like, oh, maybe it's just going on radio or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's still enjoyable, maybe. I think that's I think that good. would work. I also would do, you don't bunch all of them up together. You play four songs from the playlist that people know and like throw one in and then go straight back to the playlist and then throw another in. But hmm. I mean- to be fair, a lot of these playlist creators probably made them for fun to start and then got a bunch of offers and are like, I'm just going to cash out and get as much yeah. money as I can right now. And, but and it, ruin a perfectly good playlist. Ruin a good playlist. If anyone knows a different Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 through 4 playlist, please link me that actually has it because it is phenomenal and I'd like to listen to it more often. Yeah, um, like there, I guess there's like maybe two types of Spotify playlists that I search for. One is an unofficial themed playlist and the other is like an official, like that has some sort of a requirement to be in the playlist. Like if I search for like mm -hmm. the, the best of the Daft Punk hits, I do not want to hear a non-Daft Punk song. I better not hear a random song in my Daft Punk listening experience as I go through the top 30 songs ever made. So if it's a, but if it's a random like best of the 90s playlist, then I could see any random song with that vibe yeah. being in there, even if it's not from the 90s. You know what I mean? So there's like, there's leniency for certain playlists to do it. The one you found seems like it shouldn't have done that. It no. should just stick to the theme. But like you said, if you're the uploader of or the creator of that playlist, what do you have to lose? Just it's, toss it in It there. doesn't matter to you. Yeah, you can Dang. make it again. It's a shame, but I don't know. I hope that story didn't go on too long. I thought it was really fascinating. For the record, I will never put songs in the MKBHD playlist that I don't actually use in a video. I would love if everybody sending us those emails were listening right now because I'm really tired of deleting like five emails a day asking to be put onto the playlist. Clip it. Clip Set it as an email it, signature. Email signature. All right. Thanks for uh, taking that journey with me. I hope it was interesting. I thought it was kind of fascinating and I just... It feels like I finally have an answer to it, um, yeah. which is a sad answer because I want my Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack back. But um, anyways, we'll link the Reply All episode in the show notes and let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Samsung's studio display competitor.
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic is dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, welcome back. Let's talk products named M8. Okay. I don't all know. of them? Yep. All List of them all right now. It's funny because I, I just thought of this. There's uh there's other products. There's the HTC One M8. Mm-hmm. I really like that phone. There's also uh Ari makes the lights that we've used all over the studio. And one of the really big bright HMIs, they have like the M4 and the M5 and the M6. We have an M8. Yeah, it's and basically like, the sun. Yeah, there's like an M20 and an M40, <laughs> oh and they're gigantic. But we have an M8. But the M8 that we don't have is the one that Samsung just announced. There's a, a new monitor. They've had their M-series displays for a while. It's called the, uh, well, let's, let's just look up the name real quick. It's called the 4K Smart Monitor with Streaming TV and Slim Fit Camera Included Blue. But the point of bringing this one up is this monitor's bait. This what? monitor's bait. It's bait to compare it to the studio display, even though it's a very different display. It's, it's fascinating. Like, you just look <laughs> at it, and you can't think that this doesn't look exactly like the studio display slash iMac. Yeah, like, okay, here's how I'd, I'd describe it. This is this is how you're going to talk about it if you are going to compare it to the studio display. Mm-hmm. This is a slim bezeled 32-inch 4K monitor with a stand that looks just like an iMac, yeah. like exactly like an iMac. It's a, it's a 4K resolution. It has a built-in set of speakers. Mm-hmm. It has a webcam at the top with face tracking and auto framing to follow your face around a frame. And it has a chip built in so it can do smart TV features. And it's $729. We should have started this uh, segment with just listing it off and then everyone would be picturing the studio display. (laughs) And then you would say it has Bixby and then everyone would realize it's not. It has Bixby. It has Bixby. Do you think it has a Bixby button? I hope not. I hope not too. No way. Um, But yeah, it is like, if you're trying to picture what this looks like because you haven't seen it yet, Imagine oh, easy. the studio display, the stand exactly with the colors of the iMac, yep. and then like a little like periscope pointing over the top because the webcam's not built into the bezel. It's literally like clipped pops onto out. the back, right? Yeah, it pops out over the top. Um, but in reality, <clears throat> this is a very different display than the studio display. Oh, yeah. The studio display, obviously we've talked about it at length on this podcast, but just a quick refresher, it's a 5K display made by Apple, built-in ultra-wide webcam with face tracking called Center Stage, built-in speakers, and of course this metal body, this $400 extra height adjustable stand, and it costs $1,600 starting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, 500 nits, 5K, that's that's one of the more like niche specs about it. This display being $730, it's funny. Some people look at it and go, see, why would I ever buy a studio display yeah. when I can get this, which is basically the same thing and works perfectly with my PC and is bigger for four, 700 less Almost dollars. Almost half the price, yeah. Less, that's 900 less dollars, yeah. Why would I get the studio display? The other half are going, how on earth are you comparing this this crappy 4K, <laughs> like low brightness monitor to the studio display. They are nothing alike. So I just, this monitor's bait. It's so funny that, they, by the yeah. way, it was announced before the studio display came out. They just finally, was? yeah, this is I just coming on that. sale okay. now. Yeah, so all the comments are naturally like people arguing about how they copied the studio display. And then people who have seen this pre-order go, this came out before the studio display. Yeah. At least it was announced already. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, so this is a like I said, this it is, is bait. It's hilarious. It is though hard to not. I mean, it's hard not to compare it a little bit. It's obviously going to run comparisons. The thing to me is the colors are like almost the exact iMac colors. So like to me, this almost felt more like a monitor trying to replicate the iMac, the like regular iMac, the colorful one. Yeah, that is just a monitor instead, but it does have speakers and a webcam. Um, there's also like to me, and maybe I'm getting ahead of us a little here with it, the smart TV feature aspect of it feels kind of weird. And I know you and Adam disagreed with me on this. Um, I don't know why it has smart TV capabilities. It, it has oh. an IR sensor at the bottom that I yeah. think looks really bad. It kind of looks like an SD card slot, but it's not. And then to me, a smart TV is just like a way that your TV can have the internet, but this is a mm -hmm. monitor, so it's probably already connected to the internet, and therefore, I feel like it kind of already is a smart TV. Easy. People yeah. people double up their TV and their monitor. They use it as a monitor at their desk, and then they walk across their apartment and lie down on the couch and use the remote to use it as a TV. I'm just trying... Yeah, I don't know. I've I am someone who has been like, the laziest dorm room or like college apartment liver before. And mm. I've never been in this position where I've like used my computer monitor as a TV. Actually, I think I did do this. I mean, I didn't really watch much TV, mm -hmm. but I would full screen uh, like a long 30 minute YouTube video and, and like, sit 15 feet away on my bed instead of on the chair, which is I like guess. how I watch a movie. So if you have a couch though, that means your couch is pointing at your desk. Well, I didn't have a couch in that room. You didn't have a couch. So, yeah, it had a, there was a separate room with a couch. But, yeah, in this case, it was, like, kind of nice that I could have the smart Use TV it. UI. It is 32 inches, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I guess it, like, could do that in a dorm room if you just have a bed and your desk. That would probably work. I don't see a lot of people getting this for a dorm room because it's still a $700 monitor and you can buy way cheaper. And most people in – I think the reason is when I was in college, I had a laptop. So if I wanted to do that – I could put my laptop wherever I wanted, and that was the, t yeah. the TV if I needed it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different use cases. This is obviously something you can choose to get, or there are other options that will do similar things. But, yeah, it, it's definitely a fun one. Your point on the colors is super on point. Like, I, I'm looking at the iMac colors right now. Yeah. There's a black and a white iMac, and then there's a pastel green, pastel blue, and pastel pink. And then you look at this one, and there's a pastel green, a pastel blue, and a pastel pink. Yeah. I I don't know what the deal is with pastel for the past couple of years, but a lot of companies have been using it, and this is no exception. It just looks very much like an iMac now, yeah, especially from the side. It has a chin that replicates the colors. It has a stand that is exactly the same, which is the, like a nice rectangular thick stand with like a cutout in the middle. Like you but, could, but but it's height adjustable. It is. It's, I mean, without spending an extra four hundred dollars, it yeah. is though. I have not tried this. I give Apple, despite it being expensive, credit for their height adjustability is insanely smooth and just a good experience. Mm -hmm. This is a sliding one, which I've seen in a lot of other monitors, including the Ultrafine uh, 5K. Yeah. In general, they're not that great, but I also don't care because when I'm usually height adjusting a monitor, I just do it once. it's once and it's yeah. pretty much over. Or I have an arm for it because it's in a position where I'd like to move it a lot and therefore even just up and down doesn't really help that that much. So yeah. it's very different. Yeah, this monitor, Samsung, I, I have no doubt somebody's goal at Samsung was like, yeah, we're gonna get more people to talk about this if we make it look like this. So you know what? To whoever that is at Samsung watching this, congrats. 
Mission accomplished. This monitor was bait and we bit. Whoa. You're welcome. You're welcome. And their their release the whole release aspect of it though was perfectly built whether they meant to do it or not because it looks like it was probably copying more along of the iMac. And when I say copying, if you look back at the M7, it looks nothing like this. Yeah, very looked, different. Funnily enough, it looked more like the LG Ultrafine. It looked like a normal monitor. Yeah, it looked totally normal. This is completely different from what the previous model was, and it looks way more like an iMac. The fact that the studio monitor came out before this and then this came out right after probably increased the hype on this because now it's getting compared to the most talked about computer monitor in, in the tech world right now. That's funny, yeah. Um, so I doubt you tried to do this on purpose, Samsung, but you nailed it. Well like, played. Yeah, well, well played. Do you think we're gonna give it a shot? Should I get one, you're saying? Um. I don't really think we need to. I mean, if there's a if there's enough requests and people really want to know if they should get this one, then I'll check it out. But I don't know yeah. if there's any extra need for evaluation. It's it's probably going to be pretty decent. It's seven hundred dollars. Yeah, but and even at seven hundred dollars, though, computer monitors are cheap these days. You, yeah, can, you can get, get some nice monitor. monitors for far less. The than The M7 that. is three hundred bucks right now, and then four K smart TV also, yep. right? Yep. You just don't get it to pretend it's an iMac. Big selling point. Um, one more quick story here. I just want to talk about because I saw a lot about it on Twitter and a little disclaimer here. I'm sure you all know, you've told me in the comments many times that neither of us are really console gamers or like hardcore console gamers. So we don't use these uh, a lot. You play console games for sure. Yeah, I am. If you, if I game anything at all, it's on the console. But you're not like glued to your Xbox sure, or sure, PlayStation, sure, 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 which sure. there are a lot of people out there. You're not, you don't use any like of like subscription services to play a bunch of games, right? You're pretty right. locked into your couple games. games. Okay. Yeah. Um. So disclaimer: we are talking about this from a tech standpoint, not a intense console gamer standpoint. Um, okay. But. PlayStation came out with what a lot of people are calling a Game Pass competitor. And I think a lot of people are interested in this because the way Xbox is, I don't want to say stayed relevant, but has stayed close to the hype of PlayStation, because we all know in terms of consoles, PlayStation is winning the hype battle there. Xbox has done a really good job with their Game Pass, connecting it to PC, yeah. getting a lot of day one content. Like It is a really, really awesome and almost not necessarily, but really, really good way to get the best out of your Xbox. So the fact that PlayStation potentially is coming out with something that people are comparing, maybe unfairly so, like the studio display to the M8, mm. um, people want to know about it. And it's getting a lot of hype. So I have a really quick rundown here, super basic understanding, just if you've seen it and you kind of want to know about it. Um, essentially, PlayStation, they have PlayStation Plus already, but they're kind of breaking it up into three tiers going forward. And that is going to have all sorts of different things with it. Right now, uh, the three different ones are PlayStation Essential, which is their basic tier, two monthly downloads, a couple discounts, cloud storage, online multiplayer accents. That's kind of the base of it. Then you get PlayStation Plus Extra. We don't know prices. Um, I have. I didn't want to list every single price because okay. it's like they have prices monthly. One thing they're doing cool here is they have like monthly, quarterly, and yearly prices. Okay. Um, yeah. I believe. Essential starts around $12 a month. Okay. Um, but they do a really good discount yearly. And I have the comparison to Game Pass yearly here. Um, PlayStation Plus Extra, you get basically everything from Essential, but you also get 400 PS4 and, 4 and PS5 games. And it does include some really popular games like Spider-Man, Miles Morales, but not all of the huge ones, which like one very specific one a lot of people talking about are like God of War Ragnarok is coming out soon. And they've already said that day one of release that will not be available on any of these PlayStation passes or subscription bases. Um, and then there's PlayStation Plus Premium, which is 340 more games, and it includes a bunch of older, older games like PS1, PS2, PS3, and even PSP titles, which is kind of cool. Something kind of similar Nintendo Switch has been doing. Oh, the PSP. The PSP. That was ahead of his time. I didn't play one. I always wanted one really bad. Yeah. Funny enough, my mother-in-law found a PSP game in their house recently and was like, I don't know if you'd like to play this and handed it to me. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. This is really sweet. <laughs> I don't have a PSP. And it says copyright 2002 on the back. Yeah, <laughs> so I remember this is, that was quite a while ago. And I do remember people having it in school. Wow. It was kind of cool. It was, I mean, we got Steam Deck and the Switch and everything now, but 
Where's where's the PSP? The PSP looked like the that new PSP. Back then, yeah, they should of. make another one. Big screen, past the Game Boy. It was more of like console gaming in your hands. Yeah. I'm sidetracking, but yeah, that was actually super cool. Yeah, it was neat. I yeah, I always wanted one, but I never had one. Let's buy one. <laughs> um, that's the really really quick overview of it. There's not too much behind it. There are a lot of cool things if you want to play old games and for nostalgic aspects of it but it's not going to include day one releases, which is something that Game Pass is doing really, really well with all their first party stuff. Yeah, that's tough. Like financially, like to make that work, it's always a question. Like if we're subscriptionifying everything, yep. that is always gonna hit the day one release because you know how we used to pay a dollar for every song. If you were a big mm -hmm. artist and you were gonna drop a new song on iTunes, you wanted as many people to buy your song as possible. You can get a cut of that. But now you drop your song and it's just streaming and it's just whoever's subscribed can stream it and you get your cut of the streaming revenue. And that's kind of the same as what's happening to these these game developers, development studios, which is, yeah. do you want to be dropping day one for 90 bucks or do you want to be just looped into the streaming thing? I think for your, your own revenue, you want to be dropping day one for 90 bucks still. And that's what a lot of people are assuming. So PlayStation itself is focusing far more on that. It seems like Sony is focusing on that. They still want that to be a thing because that is clearly a huge revenue builder. Sony has a lot of those games that are insanely hyped that drop those days and have millions of pre-orders probably. Mm -hmm. um, so this just feels more like a small upgrade to their uh, subscription service, which at the same time, Sony also wants a cut of that, that sweet, sweet subscription service that you're going to forget about and pay every month, even the months you're completely forgetting you have it and you're playing god of war ragnarok for four months in a row instead yeah. um so i guess if you're looking at these they haven't released all the games that are going to be available but if you see a bunch of games in there that you really like probably a good deal if not probably best to just buy the games you want um pricing real quick i have for a year 120 bucks a year for playstation because they give a really awesome discount if you buy yearly and 180 for xbox game pass but again i don't think they're comparable you're getting Halo. You're getting all that really good stuff with Game Pass right yeah. away, and you're not with PlayStation. Yeah, even for someone like me who only plays maybe four games a year on console, it's still going to just be more economical to just buy one game at a time. But there's a lot of people who this is going to make a lot of sense for. So that's why they're introducing it. Yeah, a lot of people it's who like, are going to want to play some old PlayStation 1 games like uh, Crash Bandicoot or something maybe if it's why on not? there. That would be awesome. PSP. The PSP. Well, it's kind of cool too. So they don't have to spend all the money to make it like totally backwards compatible. It's actually streaming those games online, playing on it. So I'm guessing kind of right. like a, I don't know exactly, but kind of like GeForce Now or something like that. Yeah. So a really easy way to give people access to a bunch of old games. And most people will probably buy that so they can play an old Metal Gear Solid or something like that for like two days to remember yeah. And then realize the graphics are terrible and that they don't like it anymore. But you got the kick. The red exactly. Kick. Sick. All right. Well, we got to take a break, but we're going to come back and talk about Dyson doing the opposite of what they were supposed to do. Be right back. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. 
AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, welcome back. So, there's a couple home tech products that I really like in my life, in my home. And there's not a whole lot that I talk about. Uh, The Nest cameras are great. Mm -hmm. My Nest thermostat is one of my favorite things. Yes. The June oven, major props. I've had that thing for years. It's it's killer. And my Dyson vacuum barely counts as a tech product, but it counts. Has an on button. Has an on button. Has a really impressive motor in it because Dyson makes amazing motors. Mm -hmm. And Dyson knows that they make a great vacuum and then they got their head really big and they started making other things with motors in them that aren't as good as a vacuum. So uh, I guess the latest generation, the latest development here. Now, here's the little triple asterisk disclaimer. This episode comes out on April Fool's Day, (laughs) but we're recording this before April Fool's Day. And as of right now, we have no reason to believe that this is an April Fool's Day project, but it totally should be. I don't think it is, but yes, you're right. Totally this should, should be. be. I think I've already <laughs> seen a video of it in Sam Sheffer's hand, so this is not yeah. fake. Yeah, it's, it exists somewhere. So this is called the Dyson uh, Air Purifier. What is it actually called? Personal it's called the, Air Purifier or Air Purifying name. Headphones? The Dyson Zone Air Purifying <laughs> Headphones. And the reason it's called the zone is because you put it on and it's got these tiny Dyson motors in it, which they're really good at. Mm -hmm. And those motors are spinning fans that will help air around you pass over your nose and mouth quickly to keep it purified and pass it through a filter and all sorts of things like that. So So you you will have your own little bubble of pure air. Yeah, essentially what it is is it's a pair of, noise canceling headphones that they say also cancels out like pollution and sure. propellants around you i guess and and it's just a pair of gigantic headphones i mean like twice as deep because if you pop off the outside of each ear cup there's a the small filter inside it then the dyson motor and then essentially what you do is you grab this piece that kind of looks like another band on top of the headphones magnetically connected to the ear cups and Mm -hmm. then it goes over your mouth and so it's going to pull the air in through your ears or your ear cups go through the filter push it through the 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 mask though like whatever you want the bane mask the yeah whatever you want to call it and then blow air into your face that's purified essentially creating this kind of um air air bubble, I guess, pressurized air, purified yeah. pressurized air around your face. And um, Wait, it's it, interesting. Is there a price for this? Is, I don't know. That's, that's going to be no. my hint is if this actually gets a price tag, then it might not be an April Fool's Day I, thing. This but is, I, um, I do think this is real. There's a really good Twitter thread by Naomi Wu who talks a lot about it, and it was hilarious and really eye-opening as well. Um, 
we'll link it in the show notes. You should definitely look at it because there's a lot of really good information. But this got patented actually around 2016 or their first design patents for it were around 2016. So pretty sure it's real or else the oh, most yeah. intense April Fool's joke. But the the thing about it is, which is really funny and really interesting, um, you can tell this was created pre-COVID where they're focusing way more on pollution and air quality to to help that because this mask that goes in front of you isn't creating a seal. It's not, it's got space around it and it's just hoping that the air pushing out is is what you're breathing in and then deflecting any other air from coming in, I guess. Yeah. Now the issue with that is pre-COVID, we weren't so worried about airborne pathogens, which now this machine and what Naomi calls is the snot cannon is essentially just blowing air into your face and now blowing all the air you breathe out. Whatever you exhale gets blown everywhere. Even further than you were already nice. doing it. So you have your own personal super spreader. It, she literally <laughs> calls it the mobile super spreader event. <laughs> like it is, Come on, Dyson. it is insane. So, wow. and it makes so much sense because do you know those Dyson, or doesn't make sense, but I'm not surprised by this. Do you know those Dyson hand dryers in the bathroom? Yeah. So like, if somehow you're not familiar with this, Hand, air dryers in the bathroom so you don't use paper towels, reducing waste. Dyson started making one which was essentially a U-shaped where you stick your hands in the top of the U and on both sides it has an airstream that pushes out really hard. So when you've got water, you can push your hands down and basically feel the water push straight off your hands. Mm-hmm. Problem is a U isn't it's a cup. open. It's a cup. Yeah. So now all of this nasty bathroom water that you have here in your hands is getting blown into this stagnant pool at the bottom. And now every time the next person puts their hands in, the air is just shooting down and now spraying this. They're disgusting. That's pretty gross. Dyson is really good at making bad products outside of their vacuums. Dyson, look, Dyson to me, though every time I see a new Dyson product, I always think the same thing, which is Dyson is a bunch of people in a room where they're like, guys, we make the best motors anywhere. We just need to find things that need motors and put our motors in the thing. So what needs a motor? Okay, a hair dryer cuz it's got to blow a fan. We make the best hair dryer in the world. It's several hundred dollars. We make a we I make have- a bladeless fan cuz we have this cool design and these super high rpm motors. And then didn't we see rumors of like, well, electric cars need motors, don't they? Oh, I haven't seen that rumor. There is a rumor that Dyson might make a car for some but, reason, but because they make these great motors <laughs> and now they made this, they've made this thing the where they're like, well, car. what if we push air through a filter with our amazing motor technology? Dyson, PSA, you make good motors, probably just chill on the things. Leave them, them in vacuums. Yeah, like the vacuums are great. Even, like keep doing that. Even the fan and the hairdryer, that's just a fan inside the base of it. Yeah. Pushing air into tunnels that look like where a fan should be, but now but it's, it's bladeless. It's really smart because those are really powerful motors, and those it they is, spin it those is fans powerful. real fast, and they they make a really a really cool impression because it seems to be pushing air out with no blades, and people love that. So they've got some clever Magic. ideas. This I am I am gonna p- put my foot in the April Fool's Day camp on this one. Really, there is no price. I looked it up. I'm clicking through. I'm looking at all the info on the page, and they just have a sign up page that just says, "Find out when the latest Dyson technology becomes available to purchase." And you put in your email, your first and last name, and a zip code, and submit. And I better not get an email about how like this is available to purchase. I better get an email on April Fool's Day saying, "Gotcha, this is a joke," but also oh. like, "Remember, Dyson, we make cool motors and stuff." But that's also sort of thrown off by the fact that this idea was patented like five years ago. Yeah, and there's like a lot of promotional material. They have like, I mean, I know people have gone intense for April Fool's Day, but like they have like a guy standing in a train with this on. Like they have promotional material for this. It looks insane. Even if you were just wearing these headphones, they're like three times the thickness of the ear cups of a regular headphones. Imagine our Audio Technica's coming out like four more inches. Yeah, huge. It's crazy. And then I wonder how it sounds to stand next gonna, to somebody wearing this. Wh- how do you think it sounds in the ear cup to also have a motor running a, a fan right behind the driver of the music? You're Probably sounds to. like you have a tiny vacuum cleaner on on your head. I guess. And the best part is it's is it noise canceling because it's actively noise canceling the outsider because be. the motor's so loud you can't <laughs> hear the outside. We had to noises. cancel the whine of the motors. 
Um, this is either a slightly harmful April Fool's Day project or a potentially very harmful real product, <laughs> and I'm rooting for the first one. But I mean, in that case, yes, I'm rooting for the first one. Wow. Um, the 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 snot cannon. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Well, I guess this is your this is your uh, your annual reminder to not take the headlines you see today too seriously. And April Fool's Day is a fun time. It's kind of come back after the past couple of years of uh, not wanting to do it in 2020. So yeah. we've got April Fool's Day stuff happening and maybe those are going to be some good ones. Oh, Reddit's bringing back the place, aren't they? I can't wait for that. That was originally an April Fool's Day experiment and they yes. just kept it going and then it eventually went away. But it's a subreddit where you can just mm-hmm. show up and contribute towards a larger mural by the a community huge type thing. mural that's really cool it's i think you are allowed to place one pixel per five minutes and yeah communities kind of come together create something on that mural that can't get overlapped we actually had josh wardle the um, creative wordle was on the project creating place yeah previously when he worked at reddit we've had it on the podcast before if you want to listen to that episode but i'm really excited for that what do you think the chances are we could get enough people to somehow get the mkbhd logo on there the logo, I think we could just a small logo. I think we could organize our own subreddit to to troop over there at a certain time and yeah. just create a logo. But it's such chaos. That's the thing. Like it's anything tough. you want to create, somebody on the other side of the world is gonna walk over there and mess it up. Yeah. Do, <laughs> do you think if we created a Discord uh channel in our Discord server? And we all that just would decide. be the best way for people to like actively communicate on how to keep it because you have to draw it and then you have to continue to make sure it stays there because other people yeah. can draw over. Other people it. can draw wherever they want. Let's try it. Let's try. We'll tweet something at some point when it goes live, and we're going to try and put the MKBHD logo on that somewhere. Even if it's only for a minute. I can't tell you how happy I would be if we pulled that off. The place is back. The place is back. Happy April Fool's Day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Waveform. Uh, Of course, send us your favorite April Fool's Day products and ideas because they're going to be out there in the tech world. But till next week, we'll catch you later. Peace. This episode was produced by Adam Molino. We are partnered with Vox Media and our intro outro music was created by Bane Silk. So-